0: Welcome to the Solo Women RV Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and advice from solo women RVers, van lifers, and campers who are making their travel dreams come true. Whether you're just getting started in solo travel or are a seasoned expert, this show is for you. Join us. Just because you're solo doesn't mean you're alone. Here's your host, Kathy Belch. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 38. My guest this week is Corey Geiger or as you might know her as Corey on the Road from her Instagram following. And Corey, like a lot of people, had her life completely turned upside down by the pandemic in 2020. She was living in Seattle at the time where she had a job that she loved, a community, and was even the coach of a lacrosse team. But when she lost all that and had to move back in with her family, she started to think about what was really important to her, And that's how her van life journey began. Corey spent eight months building out the van that she now calls home. And she tells us why it's the thing that she's most proud of in her life up to this point. Corey hit the road in September of 2021. And as she shares, no matter how much planning you do, there are things that you can't learn until you actually get out there and start living. There are so many great gems in this interview. I think you're really gonna enjoy hearing from Corey. So let's listen in. Well, hello, Corey. Uh, Hi how are you. Corey, I'm excited to have as my guest today, Corey Geiger and Corey is um, to me Instagram famous for her Instagram profile, Corey on the Road, where you profile, I mean you're a beautiful photographer. Let me first say that where you capture this journey of yours on the van life in this amazing van that you built all by yourself. So, yeah. so many impressive things here going on. Um, maybe we can start there for people who don't know who you are. Tell us a little bit about your backstory um, how, and how you got on the road.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> that's funny that you said Instagram famous because it's all new for me. It it took mm-hmm. off in the last couple months. So it's still crazy and new. And I'm trying to make content that is helpful for other solo female travelers. But my backstory, I was basically hit with the pandemic, like so many other people were. Um, I was living out in Seattle, I had a full-time job, I was doing that whole thing and All of that went away when the pandemic hit and I lost my job. I was coaching a a lacrosse team and I lost that. So I ended up having to move back home to Massachusetts and I was unemployed for five months and it really made me take stock of what I love to do and what brought value to my life and what made me happy. And yeah, I had always really dreamed of living in a tiny house, but I never really thought of van life until my new job that I had gotten after five months of unemployment decided to go fully remote indefinitely. And it all just kind of clicked. I wasn't really ready to settle down and buy a house anywhere. I didn't wanna waste any more money paying rent in a city I wasn't gonna be commuting into. Um, And yeah, it kind of made me fulfill my dream of living and building a tiny house and also traveling and seeing this beautiful country we live in, so yeah, it was kind of serendipitous where yeah. a lot of things snowballed towards fan life, but I don't think I would have been here had the pandemic never happened. So it opened a huge door for me.
0: Um, so I I am the same as you as my, before I started RVing and, and I'm not a full timer, but um, I had these fantasies of the tiny house idea. Yeah. So I'm just curious, what was it about tiny house living that appealed to you?
1: I think so much of tiny house living is about minimizing your impact and living a more minimalistic life. I just found myself you know, spending so much money on fancy restaurants or buying all these clothes. And I had like massive closets with clothes that I never wore. And all of this stuff would accumulate every time I would move. And I donate like thousands of dollars worth of things that I you know, didn't want to ship across the country. So it just made me think that there's so many things that we live with, because we live in such a capitalist materialistic world that we don't need. And Mm -hmm. I kind of just wanted to, I always just dreamed of living on the land, having a sustainable, you know, farm and living small and just having my family and animals and whatever in a smaller footprint.
0: Yay. And so here you are doing it. I like to say this, uh, my van, I call it squeaky. Uh, squeaky is my tiny house on wheels. So
1: I see the photo behind you in our zoom call. It's a very cute van. My yeah. van's name is Katie. Um, is, is what?
0: Got,
1: my van's name is Kadia. Which okay. came from the Cascadia mountains out in the Pacific Northwest where I kind of like fell in love with tiny house living. So yeah, it's a homage back to that, that area.
0: Well, those are part of the cascade range right there. That is the three sisters behind my RV and the photo we're looking at. So beautiful. Yeah. I love it out there. Yeah, I'm out here in Portland, Oregon, and you are currently
1: in? I'm currently in Flagstaff, Arizona. Um, I've been in Arizona for about two months. I went over to California for a week and the gas prices were crazy over there. So I promptly left and came back to Arizona. Um, But yeah, it's starting to get a little warmer here in like northern Arizona area, Utah. So I'm making my way north and then back east right now.
0: Oh, okay. Um, you know, this, that was actually one of the questions I kind of had for you. And, and I did want to focus a little bit of our conversation today about how you find places to park and, um, and stay. And because I'm planning to head out May, May 1st for about eight to 10 months on the road. And the thought of where am I going to sleep each night is giving me a little bit of anxiety. Um, So you just kind of mentioned it's getting warm there. And I know for myself, um, trying to work sometimes when you're parked in a hot location is just unbearable. So I don't know if we want to start there or just start with kind of how you plan and decide where you're going to sleep at night.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's all a learning curve. The first few months, it was definitely stressful trying to figure out where you're going to sleep at night, especially I think the first five months or so I was just traveling on the East Coast and it's pretty hard to travel out there because there's not a ton of BLM land. It's a lot of private campgrounds that you have to pay for or just a whole bunch of Walmart parking lots or stealth camping in cities, um, which is, is stressful and it's not as freeing as it is out West when you get onto some BLM land. Um, But once you get out west, there is BLM land, there's national forest land, and there's some apps. So I use mainly iOverlander, but there's also Seeker and a couple other ones where you can just go on those apps and there's reviews and the reviews tell you if there's good Wi-Fi signal there, if um, like how busy it is, if it's easy to get to a lot of times they'll mention like the road, if you need four wheel drives to get there or if you can get there, I only have real rear wheel drive. So on some of those off-roading roads, it's tough to get there. And they also have photos so you can check out and kind of see what you're getting into before you get there. So that's mainly how I find camp spots. And I just read the reviews to make sure that I'm going to have cell signal to be able to work since I do work full time from the road. Um, And a lot of times they don't talk about the reviews. So you just have to plan to get there before you have to work or something like that. So you can check out the signal. And if you don't have a signal, then sometimes you have to go into town to work. Like right now I'm parked outside of Planet Fitness because I didn't have enough cell signal at my camp spot to have a video call. Okay. Um, which mainly the issues are video calls for me at least.
0: Okay. Well, thank you very much for coming into town to have this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yes, so I need
1: to get dog. Okay.
0: <laughs> okay. Um so when you when you're planning so you go you get on your iOverlander or you get on one of these apps and you say okay, this looks like a, a pretty good spot. The the so and I'm gonna talk about myself because I'm imagining other people who are listening might have these same kind of anxieties. You know, my anxieties are gonna be: is my van gonna make it like through a rutted road? Um, and then if if I get there, what if all the spots are taken?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So how do you I, handle those kinds of things?
1: Yeah, I've definitely run into a really sketchy roads. Um, and a lot of times it's hard to turn around so just making sure that you don't get down a road that you might not be able to get through. um, I think that's all a learning curve. You can kind of tell once you get onto a road if it's going to be a good one or if you should just turn around and find somewhere else. Honestly, I haven't had any issues where I haven't been able to find a camp spot. I think when you start getting into areas that are really busy, like I was just in Sedona last week and I was staying in an area that was extremely busy and popular and there were tons and tons of people, especially on the weekend, it gets a lot more busy. Um, But I still didn't have an issue finding a spot. There's still always spots available. It's just like, is it gonna be the spot you want or is it just gonna be a spot for the night and then maybe tomorrow morning you can go find a better spot. Um, Sometimes it's a little bit of moving around like that. And I think there are times where the spot that you have may not be the spot you want to stay at and if you're there for a day or two you can walk around and kind of scope out the the road itself to see if you can drive down it or just scope out the area in general and find a better spot um but i think it's all a learning curve and you you kind of figure out what works for you
0: okay which um and so that's like one area one thing to consider but then on top of that you need to make sure that you can do your job from the road so yes. you you getting up and moving every few days is going to be hard if you also have to be responsible for eight hours of work a day. So how do you figure all that out?
1: Yeah, (laughs) Um, there are times where, I mean, if I'm moving camp spots, it maybe takes five minutes or 10 minutes to go to the next camp spot. So um, I would usually do that after work or before work or something like that or on a lunch break. Um, but if I'm staying in one spot for a whole week and working there, then I'll scope it out on either a Sunday night or like a Friday afternoon um, and just spend the whole weekend there or get there before I have to start work on Monday so that I'm not stressed out on a work day trying to find these places. Mm-hmm. I find them before I start my work week.
0: So are you normally in a place for... A week or longer?
1: Um, I'm usually in a place for like three, three to four days. There have been places where I stayed for a week, and it mainly depends on my work schedule. If I have a really, really busy week full of meetings, then I do just camp for a whole week and hunker down, but there are some weeks that are a little lighter. Just based on my, my type of work, there are some weeks that are lighter, so I can travel before or after work, and it's not as stressful. Um, but it also depends on the weather. Uh, sometimes if it's raining, then I need to move locations. So that's actually why it was pretty stressful for the first five months on the East coast, because I was, I had left in September and I was kind of chasing the cold weather, um, trying to get to warm weather and trying to avoid the rain because I need the sun for my solar panels. So, Mm. um, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things to consider and it is, is definitely a learning curve and it was very stressful for a couple months, but once you get the hang of it and you feel more comfortable moving and exploring and not as much anxiety, you know, getting to a new place, those things kind of, they come and you get more confident moving around.
0: Okay. That's great advice. Thanks for saying that. What are some other, other tips you have for finding good spots to, to camp?
1: I think, as you get more into van life, you start meeting more people. And I think some folks have stopped putting good camp spots on iOverlander because, because there's so many new van lifers and they wanna keep some of the spots secret. Yeah. Um, so I've definitely gotten some awesome spots just from meeting people and them sending me their coordinates or location. Um, and some people reach out to me and ask for my coordinates if I'm you know posting a really beautiful area. Um, and they want to see that, then I'll send them my coordinates too. So a lot of it is networking on social media. Mm -hmm. I think such an awesome community, this van life nomad community, and we all want to help each other succeed. So I think, yeah, just like finding people and making friends and people share their dirty secrets with you and find good looks too.
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that then. So let's say, um, you know, you pull into a, a new campsite right now, you're outside of Flagstaff how do you go about connecting with the other people out there and creating community
1: yeah honestly for me it has all been through social media where you'll see people you'll follow people on social media and see that they're in an area where you are um and you just reach out to them and say hey do you want to meet up and either just like have drinks one night or camp up together it totally depends um yeah I just had a friend who I had met in Phoenix about a month ago who was in the Sedona area and just reached out and said hey we're going to be here for a week if you want to come and camp up for a night so I just went and hung out with them for a night and then I kind of moseyed on my way up to Flagstaff so it's really just if you we're all traveling and a Mm -hmm. lot of us are chasing the good weather and so there's so many people in like the Arizona California area right now and then everyone kind of heads up north everyone People kind of stick on the same path just because of the weather patterns in the U.S. Um, So you do tend to cross paths with people a lot. Okay,
0: that's good. That's good advice. And so you actually, you meet people on through your Instagram and Facebook pages or other places? Mainly Instagram. Okay. Yeah,
1: mainly Instagram. Um, I with my two dogs, they're really loud and barky, so I'm not super approachable when I'm like parked by myself. They're really loud, so people don't really approach me. Which, being a solo female traveler, I don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I like choosing when I get to meet and talk to people, and also being pretty introverted. I like to choose when I go hang out yeah. with people. So, yeah, I don't meet a ton of people like out and about
0: at okay. campsites.
1: Just because I just hang out with my dogs and 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 work mostly.
0: Okay, so it's usually more deliberate where you're making a connection on social media and you plan to meet up, you're not just randomly meeting people at Planet Fitness or whatever.
1: Yeah, I do think there is that side of van life where there's van life meetups, there's festivals, there are ways for you to go and meet a ton of people. Um, I haven't been to any festivals, I'd like to go to some later this year. Um, But I know that that's also a way that people make friends and communities by like actively going to a lot of those meetups.
0: Yeah. Very cool. I belong to a couple of Facebook groups and we have meetups from time to time. So yeah. Yeah. That's been a great way for me to meet people also. Um, Let's talk a bit about your um, cell connection too. So you talked about how you find these sites, but you, you need really good cell connection in order to do your job. So how do you make sure that, that you get that?
1: Yeah, so I definitely check the reviews to make sure that um, it's going to have at least a decent cell signal, and if not, then I typically drive into town to get Wi-Fi. Um, that's not ideal. I don't really like doing that, but so, I. So sorry, you would, go
0: ahead. Uh, you would camp somewhere and then drive into town for eight hours and then drive back to your campsite.
1: Yeah. Sometimes I'll just drive into town for like a meeting or two. My mate, the major issue I have is video calls. Um, and those are really tough. I haven't really had any issues with working. If I'm just doing my day-to-day job, you know, I do a lot of spreadsheets. I make budgets. I do a a lot of that project management. So I don't have any issues with that. It's mainly when I have phone calls and video calls that those are, those are tougher. Um, and a lot of people can't hear me or I can't hear them. So if I have a really important meeting, then I'll pop into town. Um, So a lot of times on at those campsites, I'll stay within 20 to 30 minutes of a town. So I'm not driving a ton. Um, But that's pretty rare. I really I really haven't had a ton of issues with cell signal. Um, But I think reading the reviews and once you start understanding like where BLM land is in relation to a city, then you can start seeing like, okay, on this map, this is actually like only fifteen minutes away from the city, so it's probably going to have a decent cell signal because it's mm. it's relatively close to a city. Um, so okay. you can start kind of learning those those little tricks once you get on the road.
0: Very cool. One of the things that um, I did see that you talked a little bit about in one of your Instagram posts was this pressure when you're on the road, and it I don't know if it's an external or internal pressure to do all the things and see all the things. And I kind of want to just have you chat about that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think so many of us get into fan life because we want to see the country, we want to travel and we want to go explore. And so there's just this adrenaline, the first few months where you're like, go, go, go. I have so much to see. I want to see everything. Um, so you travel really fast and it's like, if I'm not traveling and seeing something, then, then I'm not doing what I set out to do in this lifestyle. So at least it was a little bit of internal pressure with myself. And I mean, doing social media, I also want to be sharing, you know, inspirational things with other people and that pressure to, you know, share that you're doing cool stuff. So it's kind of a twofold thing, but I think the more you get into van life, the, the, the more you realize it's a lifestyle, not just a vacation. Mm -hmm. Um, you can't, you can't go out to eat every single, you know, night in a new city. You can't be traveling tons and tons of miles every day because that's so expensive. Um, so, it's definitely it takes it takes a little bit of time to realize like, okay, slow down, cool your jets and really enjoy location. Cause I think the more the longer you stay in a place, the more you start to appreciate it and learn about the people and the city. Um, so yeah, it's definitely worth the time to just like remind yourself to calm, calm down and slow down. Um, but I, I do think a lot of people that get into van life start traveling really fast just because it's also exciting and new.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess this year, a lot of us will probably be slowing down just because of the gas prices.
1: Yes. Very true. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I just kind of, I wanted to just back up for a minute. When did you get started on the road?
1: Yeah. So I, it took me about eight months to build the van. So I bought the van in January of 2021 and I hit the road in, let's see September of 2021. So it took me about eight months to build. Okay. Um, and I've been on the since September. So eight, eight, nine months ish.
0: Okay. So you headed out into the winter started in yeah. the winter.
1: Okay. Started in the winter. Yeah. Yes. That was a big part of why I traveled so fast. I started, um, on the east coast and I kind of went down the east coast up and around Florida and then made my way out west just because I wanted to see a lot of like the Carolinas and the south that I had never really explored but it gets cold in November there and I don't have a heater so a lot of the time I was driving just to chase warmer temperatures Mm -hmm. um, which meant a lot of driving and it was it was stressful for my dog to drive that fast as it was all new for her at the time um, and it was stressful to figure out working and driving yeah. all the same. Um, so yeah, the first few months were really stressful. I wouldn't recommend starting van life in the winter on the East coast. Okay. Definitely
0: noted. Yes, definitely noted. Um, how's your, and you have a note and you mentioned your dog and now you have two dogs.
1: Yes. <laughs> Crazy. A little bit. Um, yeah. yeah. So um, I had Ellie. I got Ellie when she was a puppy. Um, so I've had her for two years. She's my bigger dog. She weighs about a hundred pounds. Um, and she's a really social dog. Yeah. She's a big girl. She's a, she's a really social dog. And I just noticed that, um, she was getting a little bit of driving anxiety. She was demand barking at me a lot more, the more we were traveling. And every time I stayed in a camp spot where she could play with another dog, or if we went, somewhere and she had another dog with her, she was a lot more at ease and a lot happier. So I had been thinking about getting a second dog just for her to have a buddy. Um, since, I mean, I'm talking to people, you know, at work all the time, but she's just alone, Mm -hmm. you know, laying when I'm working outside. So it's, it's been amazing. I picked up Rue at a shelter in Austin about two and a half months ago. Um, and they took about a month to get used to each other. Rue has some reactivity issues with other, other dogs, but since she's gotten to be friends with Ellie and they've gotten the hang of living in a small space together, it's been awesome. Ellie hasn't had any anxiety. They play together and get their energy out and Rue is just the sweetest dog ever. So it's actually been a lot easier with two dogs because I haven't had to work keep Ellie entertained. Okay. Um, yeah,
0: I, I'm, Um. I'm impressed. I think it's pretty brave of you to get a reactive dog and have one in such a small space.
1: Yeah, I didn't really know that she was this reactive until I can I brought her home, we did a meeting with Ellie at the shelter and everything was fine. And then we did a meeting in the van and everything was fine. And then after a couple of days, she started showing some like reactivity and aggression towards other dogs. And at that point, you know, I had taken her home. So I kind of yeah. had to work through it. I wasn't, I wasn't going to give up on her because she's a, she's a sweetheart. I think she's just been, been through some stuff. She was yes. had cuts over her neck and nose when I got her. So mm. she's, she has some trauma to work through and now she knows she's in a safe place and she's been so much better the last month or so. And I see growth every day. So it's been really awesome. That's really, great. really awesome.
0: That's wonderful. Um, Um, I wanted to back up before we get on this call, you had mentioned um, that one of the reasons why you wanted to come on this podcast was to inspire other women to get out there and do this solo. So I wanted to kind of jump on that a little bit and ask you, you know, what are some things that some thoughts that you had about what van life was going to be like before you head out versus the reality of what you've encountered
1: yeah let's see i mean i think since i've gotten out west the reality has kind of equaled what i expected i it was really hard on the east coast i think i i was pretty bummed out when i realized that on the east coast i was just having to park in walmart parking lots a lot because there weren't a ton of locations that had salus signal where i can work So that was definitely a bummer out east. And I spent a lot of time in in cities and in Walmart parking lots. And it was great. I got to see some awesome cities. But um, being out west, it's definitely gotten a lot, a lot easier. I think there's just more campers, there's more BLM land, there's more community out here. So you're just you meet more people. And I think just the safety of it living in your van in a city or a Walmart parking lot. I actually feel less safe there than I do when I'm out in the wilderness with other mm-hmm. campers in the woods, which I think is something that a lot of people are afraid of. I get the question so often, like, aren't you scared out there in the middle of nowhere by yourself? But I'm rarely in the middle of nowhere. I always have a cell signal. There are always other campers around, um, so I feel totally safe, and the other campers that are out there are just like me or like you. They're just people who want to travel and see the world. They're not, you know, creepy random people. And if they are creepy people, then you can just leave if you get yeah. a weird vibe. Um, yeah. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people don't get is that you just gotta trust your gut. And if you feel unsafe in a place, then you leave. But have you? I think that's. Have yes, you felt I've insane? left a couple.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah
1: I've- Mostly cities. Um, there was one. There was one time where just people were being really loud and honestly were like really drunk and whatever outside my van, and I was really uncomfortable, um, and my dog was really uncomfortable. So we left there. And there was one camp spot where um, some some two two guys. It was like hunters, two like men hunters, and they just passed by. Um, And they just made some weird comments to me and saw that I was alone. So I, and there weren't a ton of campers around there. So I just left and found a new spot, but that's two, two days, like two times that I've had to leave out of like, I've been on the month, the road for eight months now. So it's really really not that big of an issue.
0: Yeah. Okay. Thank you for saying that. Um, And I really think that, you know, just listening to your intuition can really save you a lot of times. So what if, have, have there been a couple of things maybe that you learned about yourself taking this kind of a journey that you'd like to share?
1: Things I've learned about myself. I mean, I think, I think being optimistic and I am surprised that I've gotten into situations where I think maybe at times I would have been stressed out or I don't know it like did maybe would have changed my attitude for a couple days afterwards but in van life there's so many problems that you run into and your attitude towards handling those problems like makes or breaks your happiness on the road I think Mm. if, if little problems stress you out then you're going to have a tough time with van life because there are little problems that you run into every single day. For and example,
0: what are some little problems you ran into today?
1: No, today. Well, um, well having have, to, yeah. Yeah. Having to come into town. Cause I didn't, I wasn't able to connect with like some, some phone calls earlier and I knew I had this podcast and I wanted to have clear audio. Yeah. So I packed up my campsite, came into town. Um, I mean, that's probably the only thing I've run into today, but a couple days ago, I, um, let's see. I think one thing is like Arizona, it's actually really hard to find water. So, or at least water with a hose where you can fill up. There's a lot of stations where you can fill up jugs of water, Mm -hmm. um, but I don't have a way to like pour jugs of water into my tank. So um, there was one day where I called... I don't know. It was like a historic site that I found on iOverlander that said you could fill up there, but you had to book a tour and they closed at 3 p.m. So it was like super last minute. It was 2 p.m. and I was running out of water (laughs) and had to get there before 3 p.m. And I didn't have a ton of service to tell work that I had like gone there. So yeah, it was just like a whole bunch of things um, one after the other that I don't know, you just kind of deal with and and thankfully I have a job that's really understanding. So mm. when things come up, they are like, oh, okay. You ran out of water. Yeah. That's important. Like go get water. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's the biggest thing I've learned about myself is that I can problem solve and just move on and it doesn't have to ruin my day or cause anxiety. You just figure it out and keep, keep driving.
0: What are some things that you feel inspired to talk about to get other women to
1: to do I mean I think the biggest two things that I find women bring up to me are wow you did this whole van build by yourself and don't you feel unsafe traveling alone Mm. and I think those are the two things that I love talking about so much because like using power tools and building this van was like the coolest experience of my entire life and I wow would love more women to, to do it and try it. I think there's so many times where there's just a stigma of like, oh, I'm not handy. I can't use tools, but you can, (laughs) you are very capable. Um, and there are definitely projects where you need two hands, you need a couple strong people to help you. But I mean, that's been like the proudest moment of my life has been building this van because I did it And I had no experience and I did it all on my own. And I, I just want that for so many other women too, you know, to see this thing that they built with their own hands. And I think it's so normal for men to build things and use tools, but I feel like we shy away from it because we think we're not handy. Um, But you can learn anything. You can learn anything. Yeah. Uh, And then the other thing is safety, which I think we've talked on, but Women come to me and they they say, you know, aren't you scared traveling alone? I would never be able to camp in the woods alone. But that's just there's a difference between fear where you're actually afraid of something and something's in danger like endangering your life. And then there's anxious fear mm-hmm. where you're playing scenarios in your head that are never gonna happen. And it's just anxiety um, that you've been taught from, you know, TV shows, movies. There's all these SVU, you know, yeah. all these TV. Women being harmed when they're out alone, um, right. and that's really just the chances of that happening are so so minimal. Um, and I think why why are we living our lives in fear and stopping us from living our dreams based on anxiety? You know, anxiety yeah. fear. The TV show taught us that's not even reality.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. I was on a, a conversation earlier today with somebody. And she brought up the murder of uh Gabby uh Petito. Pietro Petito uh last summer. And I was like, yeah, but she wasn't a solo woman. She this was partner violence. So it's totally not the same thing, you know? Like,
1: yeah.
0: So um yep. yeah, That's but very- people but people equate that with solo women not being safe on the road. And exactly. it's just yeah. not I mean, the I same thing. Exactly-
1: yeah that story was told on the media and pushed like oh it's unsafe for women to live in a van van life is unsafe for women but that story had nothing to do with van life they were in an abusive relationship regardless of if they were living in a van or not um so I think yeah I mean those stories that that's what the media wants you know they want the clicks they want um the views and those kind of stories get the views but it's, it's the good stories like these of women who are actually doing it safely that that don't yeah. make the media.
0: Yeah, but you have made the media. I read a couple articles about you and uh, it was, it was, a, was it the Boston Globe?
1: Uh, Mass Live, which is like in, uh, back where I'm from, like Western Mass. Um, okay. It was yeah. yeah, kind of a local online newspaper. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you talked a bit about, and I didn't want to gloss over this was the van build that you did and how you built your own van. And I will link to a video that I found on YouTube that shows you giving a tour and your van was really unique. Um, Did you design it yourself?
1: Yes, I designed it myself. I mean, I did a ton of research to find kind of the build style that I was looking for. Um, And that's actually why I wanted to build it myself because I I wanted to come up with the layout and, and take my time to really like think through it and, and work through it versus like paying someone else to do that for me. Mm. Um, so yeah, I got inspiration from a few different van builds and I mean the main driver of my, or the the main thing that everyone talks about my build is that I have a Murphy bed. Um, so the bed goes up on the wall and then it folds down, um, at night when I'm sleeping, but during the day, I have like a very wide open living space. I have an L-shaped couch. Um, So it basically is just like two different rooms that I can, I can use interchangeably. And it's been really great. I wanted the Murphy bed because of my dog. I just, I didn't want her to be jumping up when she was really dirty on a static bed. I wanted to control when she could go onto the bed. Okay. Yeah, and I didn't want the dinette set. A lot of people have a a like a couch area, and then the table turns into the bed, and then they have to make their bed every single right. day, and I'm way too lazy to do that, so um, the murky bed was kind of the perfect situation where I can just throw the blankets and pillows on the bed, and push it up, and out of sight, out of mind, so um, yeah, the whole van build, it was such a puzzle to figure out, but I mean, project by project, it's, you just take one thing at a time and eight months later you have a van. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Great. Well, it's, it's a gorgeous van, and I love the Murphy bed idea. I don't think I've seen, seen any vans with that.
1: Yeah. I think more and more people will start to do it just because it, it makes sense. It's just easy.
0: Yeah. All right. Is there anything that I didn't get around to asking you that you wanted to talk about?
1: Um let me think.
0: We had kind of talked about this feeling uh when I had originally emailed you about how you talked about being in Arizona and feeling relaxed for the first time. Do you want to yeah. speak to that at all?
1: Sure. I was so stressed out for a couple months, especially on the East Coast. And I was just trying, trying to get to the West coast for so many months. mean, in my mind, I was just going to relax when I got to the West coast because I was going to be on BLM land. My dog was going to be able to sit outside a little more. Um, whereas she was just kind of stuck in the van a lot of times because we were parked in parking lots and I was trying mm-hmm. to find dog parks for her all the time. So I was just constantly moving for a few months and on top of work, it was just, it was a lot of coordination and a lot of like being on mentally all the time and not quite feeling safe yet in the van. I think yeah. it takes a little bit for you to feel yeah. like it's your home. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, when I got to Arizona, I just found this awesome camp spot with a beautiful view. The dogs had room to be off leash and be outside. And we weren't around a ton of other campers. Um, I had great cell surface so I could work really easily and everything was just like, perfect and I finally was like okay this is this is what I envisioned this is what I wanted um when I pictured myself doing van life and and since that I think that was maybe about two months ago since then it's it's been a lot of that same feeling where Mm -hmm. you know being out west and being out on land um and the land is relatively close to town so you pretty much always have good cell signal um yeah it's just been a lot more relaxing out here and really feeling like I'm living the lifestyle that I I wanted to
0: great thank you for sharing that so what are you looking forward to for the rest of uh the next eight months let's say
1: oh the next eight months okay well my my travel plans I was just telling you how I was trying to slow down yeah um, and I to be at west but I'm I'm promptly heading back east oh. right now actually um my my brother and sister-in-law just had twins about a week ago
0: oh Um, yay
1: yeah so I'm an aunt for the first time so I'm I'm going home to spend some time with them and I have a wedding and just some other family and family event things to do out there so I'm heading back east now I'm gonna slowly make my way there about mid-may I should be there um, and then around July, I'm gonna make my way back west, but from okay. the north. So oh, nice. I'm gonna go, yeah, I'm gonna go through Montana. I told you I had lived in Seattle for four years, so I really want to get back to that area and see some friends back in the Pacific Northwest and and explore Oregon and, yeah. and all of that area. It's beautiful. I love the Pacific Northwest. It um, is.
0: We're so lucky. Have
1: that yes. for the next six months. Um, okay. But eventually I'm gonna make my way back down to Utah and Idaho and and all those locations. All right. I've been on the mo- for six months, but I feel like I haven't even scratched the surface. There is so much to see out, out here, especially out west.
0: Yeah. So how do you handle working eight hours a day when you have this big big east coast trip planned?
1: Yeah. Um I'm definitely gonna to have to be driving before and after work some okay. of the days. I think if I can, I'm actually going to try and plan. I don't usually plan where I'm stopping, but I think, I think I'm think i going to need to like plan some stops along the way just so I'm not being stressed out trying to find a place to park every night. Um, and yeah, so I'm definitely going to drive a couple hours, like a bigger chunk on maybe a weekend, and then just do two or one or two hours before or after work just to like okay. slowly make me um, stop. I think that's that's my game plan right now.
0: And do you ever stay in campgrounds?
1: I have, yeah. When I was on the East Coast, I stayed in a lot of campgrounds. Okay. Um, I think, I think there's a different crowd there. I think because there's you know water hookups and electricity, there's a lot more RVs um, and a lot, a lot more of like the retired travelers um, mm-hmm. in like the big fancy RVs. So it's definitely a different crowd. I was always one of the like younger ones in those uh-huh. areas which is fine everyone is so friendly and awesome and you know so pumped to see a solo female travel in there in those locations but there's a lot more of those out east where i haven't stayed in a ton of campgrounds out west
0: okay very good wonderful um, one thing i yeah, yeah one thing
1: i have really enjoyed is harvest hosts i don't know if you've heard of them oh um, yeah i'm a member I, yeah Those are awesome, Um, especially out east where there's not a ton of BLM land and a lot of the land is privately owned. I stayed at so many harvest hosts, especially a lot of the farms are really awesome and they'll allow you to have your dog just like running free on the farm. Um, So, yeah, that's that's a really, really awesome um, thing.
0: Yeah, that's great. I just made a reservation. I'm heading up to Glacier with my brother in June and there was like one night I couldn't, you know, I wanted to book campgrounds because I'm with my brother and I want it to be set, you know, and have some planning. And I just booked a harvest host up there because I couldn't find an open campsite for one of the nights. So yeah, I love it. It's always a great experience.
1: Yeah. I think campgrounds like are awesome if you have family traveling with you and it's, you just want to have access to like a shower constantly and you don't have to want to worry about it. Like if I, if I were traveling with my family, I would definitely be booking campgrounds too.
0: Yeah. Well, Corey, thank you so much for coming on and being a guest on the podcast today. Is there anything you wanted to add before we say goodbye?
1: No, I mean, I think I... Like I said, I'm so happy that this is focused on solo female travelers. And I just, I hope to see more people on the road and more ladies on the road. There's tons of us out here doing it, doing it safely and having an awesome time. Um, so yeah, I think if, if anyone's thinking about it, go for it. And if you have questions, reach out to me on Instagram. I am so happy to connect with all the other solo female travelers at any time.
0: I really want to thank my guest, Corey, today. Here are my key takeaways. Number one, free campsites can be a lot easier to find on the West Coast than on the East. Corey uses apps iOverlander and Seeker to find her best camping spots. Number two, when scoping out a boondocking site and you need cell service, look for spots close to town as those will likely have good connections. Number three, It's okay to be nervous when heading out on a new adventure. If you're starting out in this lifestyle, you have to learn how you like to travel. Make space for that learning curve. No matter how much you try to learn before you set out, there are some things you will have to figure out by experience. Number four, don't put pressure on yourself to do all the things and see all the places. Van life and RV life is a lifestyle, so slow down and enjoy it. Number five, your attitude about uncertainty and minor mishaps can make or break you. Those who have a hard time with change or uncertainty might not be best suited for this lifestyle. And number six, Cory has a very unique van design and a lot of others have taken inspiration from it. Check out her Instagram and while you're at it, give her a follow. Thanks for listening to the Solo Women RV podcast. Please join our email list over at solowomenrv.com to stay up to date on all things solo travel related. And if you like what you heard today, please consider becoming a podcast sponsor. Details can be found over at anchor.fm slash kathy belge. And if you know someone who would benefit from what we talked about today, please share this episode with them. Or leave us a review over on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really helps and makes it easier for others to find us. The Solo Women RV Podcast theme music is Field Station by Nicole Potolsky. And until next week, we'll see you out there on the road.